Digging deeper into the day's top stories, you're listening to Jeff Andreas on 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Hello and welcome in to the Jeff Andreas Show, and thank you so much for tuning in here with me today on Radio NL. It is Monday, March the 23rd. Hope you had a good weekend. It has been 12 days now since the World Health Organization declared a global pandemic due to COVID-19, and yet people out there just don't seem to be getting it. Uh, I'll say this, though. I live in downtown Kamloops. Uh, It's pretty close to a ghost town all weekend long. Very few vehicles uh, being out on the road. It almost felt like the Monday of a long weekend. Uh, I also went for a drive there yesterday. Very few cars on the road, relatively speaking. So kudos to what I saw here in Kamloops over the past couple of days. It looks like people are heeding the warning to stay out of groups. Avoid going anywhere you don't have to. Staying home when you can. And, uh, you know, even when you are out for a walk, trying your best to stay at least a couple of meters away from others that you do, in fact, come across. But... That being said, like I, I, I believe that we here in Kamloops are doing a pretty good job from what I have seen, so I can only speak for what I am out there noticing, but the problem does still exist. There is still a problem, uh, you know, from those who are, you know, almost continuing to live their lives as if nothing is going on. Yesterday, we heard from uh, Federal Health Minister Patty Haidu, who basically said, you know, it is up to the people to protect themselves and others. But with that message seemingly being ignored by many people, there is still a possibility for stronger measures to be put in place. I would say that people need to take this seriously, that uh, various different levels of government have various different quarantine acts and measures. That could include up to and including financial monetary penalties and in some cases arrest. Um, And provinces and territories uh, and the federal government uh, will be using the tools that they have to ensure that people comply. What we would like to see, obviously, is Canadians to comply willingly in the spirit of generosity towards their citizens. We understand this is hard for people to understand who are in an area where maybe they don't have even one case yet. But people need to understand that what protects them from having one case is the behaviors they're choosing today. So I mentioned walking outside and you mentioned being outside and uh, in various different settings. We're not saying that people shouldn't go outside uh, unless they are symptomatic. If people are symptomatic, they have to stay in their house and stay in the room and not interact with other healthy people or asymptomatic people. That is all cases, all the time. There are no exceptions. You can hear Haidu hitting the desk there as she's making some of those comments. Clearly uh, frustrating that people are not heeding the warning that is so evidently out there that we need to be taking uh, certain actions to protect not only ourselves, but of course those around us. The Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, echoed those statements here earlier this morning. It means avoiding groups. It means staying home as much as possible. If you choose to ignore that advice, if you choose to get together with people or go to crowded places, you're not just putting yourself at risk, you're putting others at risk too. Your elderly relative who's in a senior's home or your friend with a pre-existing condition, our nurses and doctors on the front lines, our workers stocking shelves at a grocery store, They need you to make the right choices. They need you to do your part. We've all seen the pictures online of people who seem to think they're invincible. Well, you're not. Enough is enough. Go home and stay home. This is what we all need to be doing. 
and we're going to make sure this happens, whether by educating people more on the risks or by enforcing the rules, if that's needed. Nothing that could help is off the table. Yeah, some strong words, I think, there from uh, Trudeau talking about the possibility of further action being taken when it comes to things like, uh, you know, potential fines or even arrests. Uh, look at Nova Scotia. You know, they went on to take some further action to combat people not wanting to listen to our health care professionals when it comes to social distancing. Premier Stephen McNeil said yesterday that residents are blatantly ignoring the need for social distancing. He says, quote, hundreds are gathering on our beaches and in our parks, large groups of people congregating, young people playing street hockey, cars parked everywhere, people disregarding regarding law enforcement. We are dealing with a deadly virus, and this behavior is unacceptable, end quote. So police in Nova Scotia are now being given the power to enforce social distancing with $1,000 fines for individuals and $7,500 fines for businesses. Now, Patty Haidu said that the best way to make sure that there is a uniform approach across the country is for the provinces to collaborate, but if that fails, the federal government will step in. I think it's just a matter of time before that happens. I watched an interview over the weekend with Dr. Michael Warner, who is a prominent physician in Toronto, and he basically called for a full nationwide lockdown. He says, quote, COVID-19 does not stop at borders between provinces, which is why this needs to be done nationally. We will get there eventually. There will be a national lockdown. I foresee that. I think there's going to be a lockdown in North America, to be honest. And if we do it sooner, the long-term pain will be less, end quote. So there's there's healthcare professionals calling for that national lockdown. Um, so we'll, we'll see if it gets there. I think it's going to get there. Um, we're on the same path as other countries that have already taken that step. So we will see what happens here in the coming days and coming weeks. And I, I think it's just a matter of time before we find ourselves in that same situation. So like I said, Nova Scotia is on that path, and I can foresee other provinces following suit when it comes to that uh, financial loss that uh, could be resulted from people not obeying those social distancing measures. Every Canadian province has declared some form of public health emergency, but yet many places that just doesn't seem to be enough. And like I was saying, I, I believe we haven't seen the worst here yet. Things are going to continue to go downhill before we can start to make that ascent once again. I personally have heard of at least half a dozen cases here in Kamloops. You know, we, we saw the first confirmed case in Sun Peaks over the weekend, and the release put out by the municipality uh, stated medical practitioners in Sun Peaks have been shocked at the number of people still gathering in social situations, including seniors who are the most likely to die from the virus. I don't understand how people are not getting this message. It's pretty loud and clear, and it's out there everywhere. There's not a whole lot of other topics being discussed right now in the world. Um, so if you don't know what's going on with COVID-19, then... Uh, I don't even know what to say. Um, you know, th this is all going to touch us in some way, shape, or form. There is no... Um, you know, unless anymore. There's no maybe. You know, I have relatives with symptoms myself. I have friends who are stuck in quarantine. I worry about those closest to me when they go out to get milk for breakfast. Like, there is real concern out there, and yet for some reason, people are still gathering in large groups on beaches, on playgrounds, and things along these lines. I mean, if you're going to be off work and going to be stuck at home, I think it's pretty obvious that you shouldn't be just going out in public and ignoring the rules that otherwise would be in place. But yet, here we are. These messages have to continue to be delivered. People have to continue to say, stay away from other people. Stay home when you can. The only safe group to be in is one uh, I've heard a few people say. The only safe number of people to be in a group at a time right now 
is one, and that's where we're at. And it's unfortunate, it's lonely, it's sad, um, but be like me. FaceTime a bunch of people, you know, get on your phone, use some technology. This is something that we wouldn't have been able to do 10, 15, 20 years ago, is be able to video call people, and even though we can't be in the same room, we can still hear each other's voices and see each other's faces, and uh, we can still have some form of connectivity in that regard. So take advantage of the technology that we have. Thank goodness this is happening in 2020 and not in 1998. Things would be a little bit different, a little bit more lonely, and at least we can still have some level of connectedness thanks to those advancements. All right. Did all that make sense? I really hope so. Please relay it to others. If they aren't listening, they'll be a part of the reason that this pandemic lasts more months than it needs to. So let people know. Stay home. Stay out of the way. If you're feeling all right and someone you know isn't, help them out. Let them know you can buy them groceries or whatever they need. Make sure they stay home when they can. And uh, we all have to be in this together. That's really what this is all about. Now, coming up on today's show, Donna Mahulshin with BDO Canada will join me to discuss what Canadians as individuals and households can do to prepare for the financial fallout of COVID-19. And to end things off, I will be joined by Iglika Ivanova, who is a senior economist at the CCPA, to discuss how the novel coronavirus has exposed some gaping holes in our social safety net, particularly with respect to work and in some income Security. Just last week, half a million Canadians applied for EI. That's uh, that's the most in a week in, in quite some time. I think maybe ever. I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's it's a, it's a skyrocketing high number. So it's something that uh, we will discuss a little bit more here in the coming, uh, well, in about a little over half hour, about 40 minutes or so. So stick around for that. But coming up next, I will be joined by Acumen Law's Kyla Lee. Uh, she'll be chatting with me after this. So stick around. More Jeff Andrea Show coming up next. Digging deeper into the day's top stories, you're listening to Jeff Andreas on 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Hello and welcome back to the Jeff Andrea Show here on Monday, March 23rd. Thanks so much for tuning in here with me. Uh, joined on the line now by Acumen Laws, Kyla Lee. She's now been in uh, self-quarantine for a week here. Kyla, how are you doing right now? I'm doing good. I'm just working from home and trying to uh, survive each day. Well, you're uh, you're fortunate enough too to have a nice little uh, uh, pet, a dog companion at home to keep you company. So I think that makes a big difference for you as well. Probably, exactly. Probably. I think I'd be going insane if I didn't have yeah, him. <laughs> I was going to say helping you keep some sanity. Um, so a, a couple of things that I did want to talk with you here today about, and and the first one kind of had to do with a lot of what I was talking about here earlier in my intro, where um, we're seeing you know some governments start talking and really thinking about the possibility of when it comes to social distancing and being out in public, people who are breaking the rules starting to take some real legal ramifications, whether it be through fines or um, actual arrests. So I just wanted to to start by getting sort of your your feelings on that as as a whole um you know when talking about people going out in public and not obeying those social distancing rules getting out in large gatherings you know walking too closely with other individuals um you know wh- where do you see this going at this point in time because there's clearly way too many people who are not abiding by these recommendations i mean i think we are probably going to start seeing fines being issued um and that's one power um that the government has if the um uh, if the health minister uh, or dr bonnie henry make an order uh, a public health order and people disobey it um then they do have the power to levy fines 
They also have the power to carry out arrests, but I think that that won't be happening right away um, unless people continue to ignore the orders and continue to defy them. The reason being that an arrest involves a, a, a greater level of physical contact, which would actually run contrary to the spirit of the orders that we have in place right now. Right, right. I was thinking that same thing, that uh, there's got to be some fear on the level of law enforcement if they're going to be asked to, to do that. To, you know, Basically, they're going to be touching people uh, a lot more than they would probably otherwise be wanting to so uh, definitely would be a concern uh, if they did take those steps uh, what, what do you think about someone who potentially you know does have some symptoms or maybe is even aware that they have COVID-19 and yet still goes out um, you know living their lives having a walk going out to the parks and you know just basically completely ignoring blatantly ignoring all the advice of our healthcare professionals what what do you think could be the steps taken in, in a case like that because um, you know that at that point you're looking at really endangering the lives of other people Oh, absolutely. And in those cases, I think we would expect to see charges being laid. Um, obviously, nothing would happen with them right now while the courts are closed. But once things return to normal, people like that can expect to find themselves if they continue to engage in that behavior prosecuted before the court and facing the potential of up to six months in jail for defying any of British Columbia's orders. So it's a, it's a severe sentence that you're looking at if you don't comply, and especially if you don't comply at a time when you are infectious and when you know you're putting others at risk. And then, you know, this kind of goes back to, to both those last two points. I mean, when talking about law enforcement maybe, maybe being a little bit more unwilling to actually arrest people because they don't want to get into such close contact and, and be touching other individuals. But if there is someone who is also sick, I mean, you, you have to get them off the street, but yet you can't really put them into the prison system because, um, you know, you don't want to be seeing COVID-19 all of a sudden start shooting through our correctional facilities. Um, you know, how would you deal with something like that? Is it, I guess, house arrest? I mean, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a pickle that I, I can't quite solve. It is a bit of a pickle. Essentially, if a person in those circumstances were arrested and charged with an offense, they could be put on bail conditions that would require them to remain in their home. And if they breached those conditions, they would be facing additional charges. So despite the fact that they would already technically be under an order to remain in their home, they could have it in a stronger force in the sense of it as a bail condition. And that can be done through a video uh, a, a video or a teleconference hearing with a judicial justice of the peace without ever actually putting the person in the prison system. Hmm. Yeah, it's got to be a, a real real concern, I guess, for, for those who are in charge of corrections, that if this were to, to get into our prison system, that um, it would just spread like wildfire and, and it could have a real, real ramifications as a result. Um, you know, I, I, I probably shouldn't even, well, I don't know if you can confirm or deny, but I have, I have heard of uh, cases where this is something that is, I don't know if it's it's been uh, proven or confirmed, but I have heard rumors that there are some issues where there is potential for COVID-19 in, in some places already. And um, yeah, you, you haven't heard any confirmation on that, have you? I've heard about Toronto having two uh, confirmed cases involving corrections uh, officers who were working in the prison um, and who later began displaying symptoms. And that's incredibly frightening um, because you have in prisons an overpopulated population that's living in close quarters that can't practice social distancing by virtue of being in jail. And a lot of people who right now 
don't need to be there. People who are awaiting trials that aren't happening because the courts are closed, people who are um, being held uh, for nonviolent offenses. You think of the people who get, you know, a third impaired driving conviction and are serving a 120-day sentence. Those people could be released right now. There are measures in place to temporarily release people in circumstances like this and have them come back and report at a later date once this is all resolved. And the government needs to start seriously thinking about taking those measures, releasing nonviolent offenders, releasing people who should have been granted bail in these circumstances, and not putting everybody else in the prison system and the people that maybe need to stay there at risk. Yeah. Uh, well, that's definitely, hopefully, something that is on the radar. I'd be surprised if it's not at least something that has been discussed at some form of, of length to this point, because there has to be those protocols and protections in place. You mentioned that there are, you know, some, some steps that are basically laid out to deal with this type of situation. Now it's just a matter of whether or not they actually follow through with some of those steps and put those steps into action. Uh, I did want to ask you too, while I have you here, and this is a, sort of a, a little bit of a switch in subject, but still talking, you know, about our earlier conversation with regards to uh, social distancing. If you are, you know, self-isolating and still going out in public, one of the concerns, and you being a dog owner, is when it comes to pets and what is your responsibility as a pet owner and also as someone who might be, uh, you know, quarantined or even experiencing symptoms of COVID-19. You know, how do you really go about walking your pet and making sure they are, um, you know, relieving themselves and getting food and all that kind of stuff that comes with being a responsible pet owner. How do you balance that out with also trying to avoid other individuals? I mean, do you have any advice, I guess, for people who are in that situation? And, and you know, what are your, your obligations as a pet owner? If you are self-isolating and not symptomatic, it is okay for you to leave your house with your animal as long as you don't interact with anybody else for the purposes of walking them and allowing them to relieve themselves. As a pet owner, you have a legal obligation to your pet to ensure that their necessities are provided for, that they have food, shelter, uh, that they're able to relieve themselves and adequate exercise. And if you fail to provide that for your pet, you would be committing an offense. So you can't be forced into a position where you're committing an offense. If you're quarantined, it becomes a lot more difficult because you can't leave your house. So if you have a yard, you can, you know, let your pet out in your yard and, you know, they're not going to walk for, go for, you know, long walks for two weeks. And that's probably okay in this uh, unusual period of time. But if your pet really does need walks, if they're a high energy animal, you can have somebody come pick them up. Um, somebody that you know, sanitize the leash, sanitize the collar and make sure they wear gloves and walk your pet for you. Yeah, some, uh, some difficult times we live in, but people have to be making the necessary plans to make sure that uh, their own affairs are taken care of and, and making sure they are being responsible when it comes to uh, social distancing, self-isolating when needed, and, and keeping everyone healthy. Thank you so much for doing this, Kyla. Really appreciate you taking the time. I know you're not uh, feeling the best right now, but uh, nonetheless, you still uh, took the time to speak to me, and I always appreciate it. So thank you so much. Right. And Anytime. Wishing you a thank speedy you. recovery. Okay, thank right. you. That's Acumen Laws, Kyla Lee. Yeah, lots of different stuff to break down when it comes to the whole COVID-19 pandemic and, and the impacts that it's having on uh, everyone in different walks of life and throughout different um, aspects of our livelihoods. So lots to talk about. There's going to be no shortage of uh, other ways to continue to speak on this, and I'm going to be doing that next with COVID-19 obviously being a, a problem around the world and impacting a lot of people's finances. What can you do as an individual or as a household to prepare? I'll be talking with BD Canada and a licensed insolvency trustee, Donna Mahalshin, after this. 
the voice of your community. Radio NL 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Here's Jeff Andreas. It is Monday, March 23rd, and thanks so much for joining me here today. Uh, you are listening, of course, to the Jeff Andrea Show on Radio NL. Of course, COVID-19 is causing financial concerns for many Canadians. Consumers also filed the largest number of insolvencies in almost a decade to end off last year. Well, now, just uh, three months into 2020, and coronavirus, the novel coronavirus, of course, is wreaking havoc already this year. I'm joined now on the line by Licensed Insolvency Trustee and Senior Vice President of BDO, Donna Mahalshin. Donna, thanks so much for taking the time. Thanks for having me. So is there maybe like a basic message that you could deliver to people when it comes to managing their household finances during this difficult time? I mean, this is really something we haven't really ever seen before. Uh, yeah, great question. I mean, first and foremost, I think the health of everybody is, is absolutely paramount. And when we're dealing with anybody that we're talking to, it's like deal with your family and your health first, no matter what. That's got to be the priority. And then the finances come into the picture as well at that point. So I think, you know, you got to take stock of where you're at, uh, figure out you know where you are so you can figure out where you're going to go to and of course none of us know what's going to happen none of us at all so you've you've got to sit down and plan where you are to try and figure out what issues you might have is there any you know looking back on history any event that you can kind of look at and pull from to try to have some level of prediction about what's going to happen i know it's pretty much next to impossible but maybe like the financial crisis of 08 is there any similarities there like is there anything that you can look at and see how old i was (laughs) (laughs) um well i mean 08 certainly there for sure i mean when everything crashed in 08 there was huge change that happened to everybody and you know, as the market started to crash and housing prices went down, um, you had to take stock, and we saw huge people in numbers of financial difficulty, and it was huge effects on houses and and the ability to make payments. So that that could play part of this, but this one is just such an unknown because it's around the whole health of the world. It's not. Yeah. This isn't a Canadian thing. It's not an American thing. It's the world. So. Um, you know, China seems to be coming out of it, so that's good positive stuff. And I think Canadians that I see are certainly paying attention and seem to be self-isolating for the most part, so that's awesome. Um, if, if that keeps up, sort of the faster that we can all pay attention to this and try to come through and, and out the other side, which it appears will happen, then I think that will help help everybody in the long run. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, now, now coming back to individual financial financial um, you know circumstances that people are dealing with, you know, we're seeing a lot of people um, being laid off, and, and half a million people last week applied for EI. So there's uh, you know thousands upon thousands, hundreds of thousands of people who are going to be dealing with uh, some sort of financial repercussions as a result of COVID-19. I guess for those who are, you know, in uh, right now in a state of um, maybe not immediate concern, but are definitely, you know, worried about, um, you know, weeks and months down the road, do you have any just sort of immediate plan for them? Maybe they should sit down and do this today, whether it be, um, you know, just planning a budget or something along those lines, just to make sure that they know, um, you know, how much money is going out the door right now. That is a great question, and I can tell you that's exactly what I was doing yesterday. So I think you need to sit down and you have to figure out what, where, where do you sit today? What income do you have? What's your known? Like, do you have known income? What do you think the possibilities for 
a potential layoff in your world is like? Do you have savings accounts? What are your debts? Uh, and not what you pay per month, but overall, what are your debts? What do you own a mortgage? What do you own credit cards? What is your spending per month? Uh, just sit and take a look at, like, for example, if, if it's um, car insurance and you have your car insured to go to work and you're not going to work right now where you're driving to work and you're working from home, maybe you can take that down to just driving for personal use only. Don't forget to take it back when you go back to work. Okay. But, you know, do you, like, I find personally that we're not spending the money we would have spent. Like, you're not going out for dinner. You're not going shopping very much you're you're just not spending the money i think more people are staying home watching netflix so you know sit down and say what can i what do i need this is huge right now huge what do i need and what do i want and that it's the what do i need that that you need to pay attention to and that's what you start with and what can you trim out of your budget like i don't know turn down the heat reduce power use reduce subscriptions, I mean, you know, personal services, I think people are saying, well, I got to learn how to cut my own hair or that kind of stuff. So, you know, when you go grocery shopping, use coupons, make a list, stick to it. Um, and it's not going to be your forever budget. Like, like, we'll get back. It'll be stretched for a while and we're all tightening the belt. But, you know, I think if you do this now, it will really help. So, and do you have an emergency fund? Some people may have that emergency fund right now. The problem is I think that most people didn't have it as statistics were showing us before when we were doing all our surveys. So I think that will be tough for a number of people. Um, this, now this is something that I have never recommended before. So you need to understand that I am out of my box right now, but do you have a line of credit? Is there an ability to get some funding at a low interest rate? And of course we know that the interest rates have gone down. So how are you already approved for a line of credit that you can get this? Say I would make sure it's under 10% interest. You don't, you don't want to be into anything like payday loans or high interest rate, but maybe now's the time that you do access some line of credit to get you through that emergency. I'm not sure how much time we have here, so I can talk forever. <laughs> um, you know, like the government has introduced the mortgage deferrals right now, and I think they're still setting up the plans, but call your mortgage company. You know, if you need it, call and access that. Um, call your credit card companies. How do you know unless you ask is my motto? Like, call them. Maybe you can lower your payments. Maybe you can get an interest, a lower interest rate. You know, again, if you don't ask, you'll never find out. So communication, I think, is just key with everybody. So um, if you're still working, maybe there's some EAP benefits that you might have that will help, or certainly those EAP programs to just help stress and depression and, and that kind of stuff that you could call mm -hmm. and access those. So um, those are just some quick suggestions that kind of come to mind. Um, yeah, and so we have about a minute left here, Donna, okay. but uh, I did want to ask too, I mean, just, you know, you being a licensed insolvency trustee and, and really trying to help people, um, you know, who are potentially, you know, financially illiterate or, or very close to, there's a lot of those individuals out there who are going to be having issues with money who maybe just really aren't good when it comes to managing their own finances. Are you expecting to be a lot busier as a result? And I guess what recommendations do you have for those who are, are worried and maybe aren't very good when it comes to managing their own money uh, to give you a call? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think we will be a lot busier. And, of course, we're 
closed to the safety of our clients and staff right now practicing social distancing, but we are all set up at home. So anybody can call in and we will talk to them for free confidential appointment. They can call one eight five five BDO debt or visit our website at debtsolutions.bdo.ca. And there is no question that we're not prepared to help you with. So if, if you have a question, we are only too happy to sit and try to coach you through or give you our insight that we can help you with it. So don't hesitate to call. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this, Donna. I think there's a ton of valuable information that you've just handed out, and hopefully people are listening because there's a lot of people out there who are going to be wondering when that next paycheck might come in. So I think it's important for people to to be aware of what their financial situation is and make sure they're on top of it. So thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely, anytime. All right, that was uh, Donna Mahalshin with BDO Canada, the vice president there. She's also, of course, the licensed insolvency trustee. All right, well, coming up next, I'm going to be speaking with Iglika Ivanova with the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives. They're talking a little bit about some of the holes that are currently being exposed in our show's social safety net. Of course, those are being noticed as a result of COVID-19 and the spinoff that uh, is happening as a result of the novel coronavirus. We'll be getting into that a little bit more after this, so please stick around. More Jeff Andrea show coming up. Opinion. Call or text 250-374-5345. Find us on Facebook or on Twitter at Radio NL News. This is Jeff Andreas on RadioNL.com. Welcome back to the Jeff Andreas Show, and thanks so much for tuning in here with me today. The coronavirus, of course, has brought about a global public health and economic crisis, and it's affecting everybody at breakneck speed. Here in Canada, we're entering a time of emergency on a scale. It's difficult, really, to fully predict or comprehend exactly how things are going, and the pandemic has quickly exposed some gaping holes in our society. Joining me now on the phone to talk a little bit more about what is going on and how we can handle the situation is policy analyst with the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives. BC office, Iglika Ivanova. Thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for having me. So I, I will start with this here. I mean, your organization is viewing this crisis. Um, I'll just read the statement here that, that you have put out. So uh, the CCPA BC believes the crisis we are now facing is fundamentally a collective one. What exactly is meant by that? What this means is that the crisis is so large uh, and we have just starting to comprehend its scale. Uh, we have half a million Canadians um, who applied for EI last week. That's an enormous number. It's never happened before in one week to have 500,000 people lose their jobs. Um, so that, and this is just the beginning of the crisis. So starting here, we will never be able to um, to solve this if we don't all work together. That's what we mean by it's a collective uh, collective. Um, time for collective action because we we need all hands on deck, we need creative solutions, and we need people pulling together in the same direction uh, if we are to have any hope of solving this. Yeah, and, and you know, you, you mentioned a number of different issues that are sort of being brought to the forefront here. I mean, you talked a, a lot about EI there and, and people applying for unemployment insurance. Um, you know, the capacity of a healthcare system is obviously something that is front and center. Um, uh, hardships for those who are in poverty now or those who may fall into it as a result of the pandemic. I mean, how difficult of a balancing act is this? I mean, from the, from the point of view of the CCPA BC office, I mean, is this... Is, and this is something we've never seen before. It's an enormous 
challenge for our society and for our government and our businesses, uh, really for everyone. Uh, we've never seen anything, well, we, in my lifetime, we've never seen anything on that scale. Uh, it it uh, looks like it's much worse than the global financial crisis. Um, the public health um, crisis has obviously been top priority for governments to deal with as is appropriate, and we've seen a lot of measures to do that. Um, the federal government has released an initial package of, of immediate relief measures, which would be very helpful. They're actually in, in some way um, of public health measures because uh, without incomes, without assurance that people won't lose their homes or um, become, yeah, become homeless and destitute, they can't stay home and not work even if they've been ordered to even if we need to socially isolate. So, so to make that possible, we need to make sure that people uh, have some income and as the federal government has stepped in with an initial package, we think it's too small and uh, they think it's too small. They've said that uh, more will be coming and, and we know the provincial government in BC is also gonna announce something early next week. So hopefully we will see more um, action and fast. Um. When, when looking at, you know, the responses the federal government has taken so far, interprovincial government as well, I spoke with your colleague Alex Hemingway not too long ago just about those initial packages that have been released and, and sort of what the opinion was of those. And, and like you had mentioned, you know, it's kind of a, it's too small, but it is a start and that's all we can really do right now is because we're really pretty early in, the, in this thing, I think. Um, so, so it is just the beginning and we'll, we'll see more kind of roll out as things go. Uh, you know, has your office at all sort of looked at a pandemic and sort of, you know, if the country was ever prepared to handle something along this line? I don't think we ever could have seen this necessarily coming the way it has impacted us so far. But, uh, you know, had any data been collected or any predictions made about, you know, if this kind of situation were to unfold, uh, if we in Canada were, were prepared for this kind of thing? I, I don't know if you can even answer that question. Uh, yeah, our office hasn't done that, but I'm sure those governments uh, are, are doing crisis and emergency preparedness type uh, measures. I mean, we had SARS in 2003, so, so people are thinking about um, crisis prevention and emergency response. We, we don't uh, do that at, at the Canadian Center for Policy Alternatives, but I think it's really important to keep in mind that what the public health professionals and uh, what scientists are telling us and health experts is that what we need now is to buy them time. And that's why everyone is, is uh, distancing, and, you know, and, and that's why restaurants and bars and, and many other establishments are closing in order to make sure that we are able to not get everyone sick all at the same time and, and overwhelm the healthcare system. Now, as someone who looks at, at policy, analyzes what policy is out there and, and, you know, make recommendations for how it can be altered and shaped and changed in order to be more effective, I mean, is this crisis that we're looking at right now, I mean, this has got to be something that's going to keep you guys um, at the Center for Policy Alternatives quite busy reviewing policy that's currently in place and how things are going to change and, and be recommended to change based on the situation that we're dealing with. I think this crisis is keeping a lot of people quite busy, obviously, for all of governments, a lot of economists and policy experts. I think we do need all hands on back and we need to be working together, coming up with creative solutions. Uh, because it's not like we have a package someone else has done in a similar situation that we can just roll out now. Uh, 
Um, I think it's really crucial to remember, though, that um, that we can do more and, and we can do things fast. We are a very rich province here in British Columbia, and Canada is a very rich country. So um, we have the capacity to step in fast and to help vulnerable people. I think we're particularly concerned about um, people that are very vulnerable. They were very vulnerable before, but now with an additional uh, pandemic on top of it, um, we risk this becoming a humanitarian crisis among our homeless population, for example, or, or isolated seniors who may not be able to get food or medical supplies, um, or among, you know, uh, other people with mobility issues, uh, people with disabilities who live alone, uh, given just the, the disruptions in transportation and, and the fact that people are being told to stay home, whether they self-isolate or, or whether they're trying to protect themselves because they're at high risk of um, having severe complications from this new virus. Uh, are, are you working at home right now? Are you self-isolating at this point in time? Um, yeah, whole office is working from home right now. Uh, personally, I am self-isolating because I recently returned from travel abroad. Um, so I'm relying on friends to bring groceries. And, uh, and, and we will be like this for a while. I mean, uh, a lot of people, luckily, you know, I don't have any health issues. Um, that would make this a complication, but a lot of people do. We have a lot of people with with serious uh, conditions that that are very scared of what's happening. So I think it's really important to think about one thing that really wasn't um, very present in the federal package, and, and I hope it's a gap that the provincial government's response fills in. Is we need support for um, service providing organizations in the community. Uh, to meet the needs of vulnerable people, to meet the needs of vulnerable seniors, to meet the needs of, of uh, homeless people, and to meet the needs of, uh, of other groups that are going to be experiencing uh, additional challenges as a result of this crisis that, you know, won't qualify for EI, for example, um, even under the new measures. So I think it's crucial to have emergency funds for nonprofit organizations that are providing these services uh, and very quickly in order to make sure that, that we have food and medical supplies uh, going to these communities. Also, communities in the uh, rural and remote areas in the north um, and indigenous communities in particular really need uh, support at this time. And I think we need to see more than what was in the federal package. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and everything you kind of mentioned there is a lot of you know services just to keep people alive. And I also have some worry about you know as this continues, the mental uh, state of people as things move on, and, and the the ability of our healthcare system to deal with those mental health challenges that could result right from people being stuck at home for 14 days, not being allowed to go to work, not having a job, people losing their jobs. Um, I, I just I, yeah, I worry about the fallout from from that mental health standpoint that we could be witnessing here down the road. Well, Aglika, thank you so much for taking the time. Unfortunately, we are uh, running up to the top of the hour, so I do have to cut you off, but I really appreciate you taking the time to come on and speak with me. Uh, a lot of good information right there. That was Aglika Ivanova, who is a senior economist with the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives here at the BC office. Well, on that note, it is about time for me to wrap things up here today. I would like to thank all my guests for joining me, and of course, a big thank you to all of you for listening. And remember, whether you join me for a short while or a long while, just know that I enjoyed our time 
while it lasted. Have yourself a safe day out there today, and I'll be back here tomorrow morning at 9.